The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning, Refuge Church. If you're standing, please find your seat. If you're happy and you know it, sit down. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. Amen. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. Amen. If you're happy and you know it and you really want to show it, if you're happy and you know it, say amen. Amen. I know it's all the Mariners fans that are still standing. Okay, yes, we made it to the playoffs. (laughs) We can continue enjoying the victory later. Well, before we start, uh, I'm going to offer a prayer of confession for us, and then I'll give you guys an opportunity to also offer your own prayers of confession. So bow your heads uh, with me. Wonderful God, King of kings, Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth. Thank you for blessing us with all of heaven's gift. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you for your grace, which we do not deserve, but you continue to show us every day. We say thank you for all of our blessings. Jesus, we come to you this morning because we know we fall short through our actions, through our speech. We haven't loved when we're we're supposed to. We haven't kept your laws. And most of the time we willfully disobey you. And so we come here this morning pleading for your mercy and your forgiveness. Forgive us, Lord, and cleanse our hearts, convict our hearts. And we ask that you please not take your Holy Spirit from us, but that your Holy Spirit will keep working in our hearts to draw us closer to you, Lord. So we need you now more than ever with everything that's going on in the world. Jesus, we want to draw close to you. And for those of us who don't know how to, show us. For those of us who don't know how to love you, show us, Lord. So, we ask these things in your name. Take a minute or so and please offer your own prayers of confession.
Jesus, thank you because in your word you said if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us. And so thank you for the forgiveness that you offer each and every one of us. And I pray may we turn from our ways, may we strive for holiness because you have called us to be holy because we are your holy people. Continue working in us. May we be the salt and the light of the world. And may people outside your body see the lives we live so that they can glorify you also. Thank you for this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter, flawed and faithful. And so this morning I'll be wrapping up uh, our series. And it's been just so refreshing uh, talking about Peter because Peter is a disciple that most of us can relate with. And I hope that uh, throughout this sermon series, whatever we've talked about about Peter, you saw yourself in there, whether it was something good that he was doing or something that wasn't too good. But even though this series is about Peter, it's really about Jesus, right? It's always about Jesus. You know, the Bible is amazing with all these stories that we read and hear, but at the end of the day, the main character in the Bible is Jesus. It's about how is Jesus relating to these people? What is Jesus doing in their lives? And I hope in these few weeks you have learned about something that Jesus has been doing with Peter. So our intro this morning is Jesus, Peter loves Jesus, but keeps making big life mistakes. Does this story sound familiar? Peter is one of the most prominent characters in the New Testament. He is one of the first people to follow Jesus, and one of the first to understand Jesus' true identity as the Son of God. But he's also deeply flawed. Peter hurts Jesus more often than he helps but Jesus never stops loving him and leading him. In this sermon series, you will learn how a strong and beautiful faith can come from deeply flawed individuals who faithfully follow Jesus. This is our story. No matter how flawed we are, Jesus still continues to faithfully pursue us. And that is why this series is all about Jesus. And so this morning, uh, a sermon will, uh, the title of the sermon is Matured Faith. And in today's sermon, we, we see almost a complete transformation of who uh, Peter is. And as I was thinking about uh, this sermon, I was thinking of a story that uh, I can use to start the sermon, and the only one that came to mind was uh, my son Isaac. And so my brave wife decided in June that she was going to party train Isaac, and I was against it. I'm like, he's not even two yet. He's too young. Why would you? But she's like, I know one-year-olds that have been party trained. I was like, show me. She's like, YouTube. (laughs) Really, you can find anything on YouTube. 
Anyway, I got on board because she's the boss of the house. <laughs> and it, it was great. Like, Isaac, anytime we introduce something new to him, he gets really excited. We're like, Isaac, we're going to stop party training. You're going to become a big boy. And he was happy about it. Kind of like when Jesus called Peter. It's like, I'm going to make you fisher of men. Peter was like, yes, let's do this. And party training started really well. Like anytime he told us he was going to go, number one or two, and after he went, we praised him, and Isaac loved that. And I always say, Isaac, you the man, and he would say, me the man. I'd be like, I didn't teach you to be proud. Where did you get this from? <laughs> but we also had ups and downs, Right? We introduced something new, he got excited about it, and then he relapsed. And then in my head, it's like, you were doing so well last week. What happened? Step up, man. I have high expectations for my son. And I sometimes I forget he's only two-year-old. And he'll relapse, and then we'll talk about it, and then he'll do well again. And, you know, I mean, most of you here, parents, you've party trained, and so you know exactly what I'm talking about. But he really relapsed when I went to Nigeria this summer to visit my family. I called Felicity, and she's like, he doesn't care about party training. He just goes whenever he feels like it. And in my mind, I was like, oh, he misses his daddy. Great. But she's home with him. So it's like, Isaac, you need to step up, be a man. Help your mom out, please. But no, it was so bad. And the relapse <laughs> reminds me of Peter when he denied Jesus. Jesus is like, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter is like, no, I got you, dog. And what happened? He denied Jesus. Even when I came back from Nigeria, Isaac didn't care anymore. It's like, I'm just going to do me. You were gone. You left me for almost three weeks, so it's payback time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and you know... <laughs> We did everything. What saved us was M&M's. When we started party training, we were like, we're not going to bribe you, Isaac. We're just going to praise you. Because the book we read said, don't give them treats because they'll get used to it and expect stuff. But we were so tired of him just going whenever he wanted to because we know that he can do it. We were like, you know what? If you tell us you need to go, we'll give you M&M's something new, and he was excited. And every time he went, we'll give him an Eminem. Isaac is fully trained now. Happy to tell you guys. So Eminem saved the day. <laughs> At, whenever he goes, he gets two Eminems. And he still, and if we forget, he reminds us, right? And so there's a complete transformation of Isaac, Isaac uh, in June, to the Isaac now. And we started swim lessons too. And that was one of the big things. We're like, you need to be party trained so that when we go swimming, I won't be the dad who's like, uh-oh, my son just pooped in the pool. I didn't want to be that dad. And so it's been going well. There's a complete transformation in Isaac, just as there is a complete transformation in Peter today. And so our passage this morning is from the book of Acts uh, chapter 2. And so in last week's sermon, Daniel preached 
from John uh, chapter 21, and we see Jesus restoring Peter. Remember, Peter denies Jesus three times. Jesus dies and he's resurrected. He appears to many people, and in the story last week, he's with his disciples. And he had a hard talk with Peter. He asked Peter three times, do you love me? Peter was like, yes, I do. Peter asked again and asked the third time. And on the th- during the third time, Peter said, you know all things. But Jesus wasn't asking to scold Peter, even though Peter, what he did was awful. But Jesus wanted to restore him back. Because after Jesus died, they went back to their old lives. They were going fishing. But Jesus was like, I'm not done with you guys yet. You're still my own. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus gives them a command. And the command was, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Don't want you guys to go anywhere. And then in Acts uh, also... Chapter 1, starting in verse 9, we see Jesus leaves his disciples. Jesus ascends back to heaven. But before he leaves, he tells them that he will bless them with the Holy Spirit. And that's why they had to wait in Jerusalem so that they will receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 2, 10 days before the ascension, they finally received the blessing of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. They were gathered in a room and suddenly they heard a sound like the blowing of a violent wind from heaven which filled the house that they were in. And all of a sudden, they start speaking in different tongues. That was the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in them. They were speaking in languages that They didn't know because these were Galileans. And yet God gave them tongues of everybody who was gathered there. People there understood what what the disciples uh, were saying. And they were amazed. They were speaking in tongues about God's wonderful works. This was a remarkable event that people started asking. Those with an honest inquiry asked, what does this mean? How can this Galileans, Galileans were known to be not so educated people. And so in people's mind, it's like, how can this not so educated people who had hard time pronouncing certain words speak fluently in these languages? People wanted to know, but others used it to mock the disciples. They're like, ah, oh, they're drunk, that's why. I mean, if wine or alcohol can do that to you, then I want to drink it every day so that I can learn some cool languages. And then from our passage this morning, starting in verse 14 of Acts chapter 2, we see Peter addressing the crowd. Peter addressing the allegations of them being drunk. And so starting in verse 14, Peter then stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. And he says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. 
And then Peter narrates uh, the prophecy uh, from the book of Joel about what God is doing. And so, we see a new Peter in a way, right? We see a Peter who was running away from Jesus. Peter is now being restored. He's with the crowd. And then the Holy Spirit comes, and they're being accused of being drunk. And we see Peter being a leader. He volunteers himself to speak up. We see God using Peter again. Remember, Peter was the one who God revealed his true identity to. And now we see God using that same flawed Peter to address thousands of people who were gathered at Pentecost. And so he starts his sermon by repealing their criticism of them being drunk. Because, come on, it's 9 a.m. in the morning. And then he quotes the book of Joel chapter 2. Because Joel mostly prophesied about judgment that was coming to ancient Israel. Yet, in the many warnings of judgment, God also gave several words of a promise of future blessings. And that promise of the future blessing was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so we see a prophecy being fulfilled here. In the book of Joel, it says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Peter explained that this cu- what this curious onlooker saw before them was the Holy Spirit being given. Before God gave it in drops, before God gave the blessing of the Holy Spirit to certain people in the Old Testament, but now we see God giving it to everyone. This is the emphasis of Pentecost. Under the Old Covenant, certain people were filled with the Holy Spirit, but now under the New Covenant, which you and I are on, the Holy Spirit is upon all of us. If you call the name of the Lord, you will be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is how Peter started his sermon. But that wasn't all of it, because he was about to introduce them to the main focus of the sermon. And so starting in verse 22, he says, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus, the Nazareth, was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It was not enough for Peter to quote Joel and explain what the outpouring of the Holy Spirit meant because Peter didn't yet speak about the saving work of God. And so now he starts to go deep with these people. He starts by telling them what they already know about Jesus, that Jesus lived among them. He did many signs and miracles among them. Jesus was one of their own, unlike the scribe and the Pharisees, who were too good for the people. Jesus was a man of the people. 
He did all these great things, but that wasn't enough for them not to kill Jesus, and Peter still had to remind them about that. This man who lived among you, this man who fed thousands of people, this man who raised people from the death, you killed him. And I want you to remember that. You were responsible for killing Jesus. And he didn't even flinch about saying that. You crucified this man who got sent. Because his concern wasn't really to please the crowd, but only to speak the truth to them as the Holy Spirit is working in him. But then Peter quotes Psalms chapter 16. And Peter explains the resurrection. Peter recognized that through this psalm, though this psalm spoke about David, it spoke of someone also greater than David, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And this is the gospel, that Jesus took out punishment upon himself. God used the plans of evil men to nail his son on the cross so that we might be freed from sin. So even though they plotted to kill Jesus, even though they used evil means to kill Jesus, God still did used it for good to redeem you and I. And Peter tells them, this Jesus God has raised up, and many of you are witnesses to it. Jesus showed himself to many people after he resurrected because he didn't want anyone to have any doubt that he had resurrected. Because the religious leaders, they did everything they could to make sure, because Jesus told them, I will come back again. And they remembered that. They guarded the tomb. They did everything they can to make sure that didn't happen. But God was more powerful than them. He resurrected many, many witnessed the resurrection. Even some of the people who were there witnessed the resurrection. Because dead could not keep a hold of Jesus. And then he concludes with this summary. Simply all Israel should know that even though they crucified Jesus, God has declared him both Lord and Christ. As the resurrected Savior, he is now Lord and Christ. Basically, Peter was telling them, you are all wrong about Jesus. You guys messed up. You, cru you crucified him as if he was a criminal. But because of the resurrection, God proved that he is Lord and Messiah. And then in verse 37 to 41, they responded with a question. Because this was a very hard sermon for them. And remember, the Holy Spirit was working. So they asked, what can we do? What should we do? The scripture says that what Peter said cut them to the heart. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit is working and convicts us. It cuts us straight to the heart. And in response to their question, Peter told them exactly what they had to do. The first thing Peter told them to do is repent. To repent does not mean to feel sorry about what you've done, but it means to change one's direction, to do a 360. 
they have taught a certain way about Jesus before, considering him worthy of crucifixion. But to repent now means that they must turn their thinking around Jesus and embrace him as their Lord and Messiah. That is what Peter meant by repent. The second thing they had to do was to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For them to be baptized in the name of Jesus was an expression of their belief in complete trust in Jesus. And then Peter says, if you do these things, the promise is to you and your children and to all who are far off. If you do these things, you will also receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter's sermon did not end here. He continued to urge the crowd to come to Jesus in repentant surrender. Be saved from this perverse generation, he says. But any generation that is responsible for putting Jesus' death is a perverse generation. And since Jesus had to die for our own sins also, we are a perverse generation. And so this also applies to us. Be safe and turn around so that you guys can be forgiven, so that we all will be forgiven. As I read this sermon, it's like, man, this is a different Peter. It's almost like there's something new about Peter. And I was thinking, what, what caused this transformation in Peter? And I thought about three things. The first thing is Jesus' acceptance of Peter. And this comes from last week's sermon, the restoration of Jesus. Jesus had every chance to be done with Peter because Peter was one of Jesus' close disciples. Jesus told him, you'll deny me three times. Peter was like, no, I'm not. And Peter was a man of his word. Peter was a hard man. But then when the moment came, he was weak. He relied on his power, and he thought he was too powerful. But no, he denied Jesus three times. But yet, Jesus didn't give up on Peter. We see Jesus bringing Peter in, loving him, and restoring him like nothing happened. If you were in Peter's position, tell me that wouldn't have changed something in your heart. Tell me that wouldn't make you become almost a new person. It's like if you stab someone in the back, a close friend or a family relation, and instead of them retaliating, but they come and forgive you, tell me that doesn't change you. And so Jesus' acceptance and restoration of Peter is one of the reasons we see this new Peter. The second reason is the resurrection of Jesus means everything for us. Peter was the one who scolded Jesus when Jesus said, I'm going to go and die. And Peter is like, no, stop talking like that. Even though Jesus said, I'm going to die, but I will be resurrected in three days. Peter didn't hear that part. He just heard about Jesus dying and he was worried about that. But Jesus died and he resurrected and he showed himself to Peter. 
And that also changed everything. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, If the resurrection didn't happen, then us meeting here is pointless. Just go home. What are we doing here? But because the resurrection happened, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And so the resurrection for us Christians means everything. God has risen. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is in us. And because he is risen, we have a new life and we have everything to live for. And that is why we see a new Peter. The resurrection of Jesus meant everything for Peter and it means everything for us. Because Jesus lives, we have hope. Because Jesus lives, we have hope. The third reason is the spirit-filled Peter was different from the Peter who denied Jesus. Like I said earlier, Peter was a hard man, right? And if Peter was my friend, I will take his word because Peter was a tough guy. Peter is a homeboy you want to have on your side. But because he relied on his power, I mean, he... He forgot or he didn't think about the spiritual forces that we are no match of. And because he relied on himself too much, he failed. But we see a different Peter that is filled with the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 7, this is what Jesus said, But truly I tell you, it is good for you that I am going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Peter didn't want Jesus to go away. And yet Jesus is saying, it is good for you to go away. Like anytime I read stories about Jesus and his disciples, like, man, I wish I was there to hang out with Jesus. But here we see Jesus saying, it was actually a good thing that I left. Because I'm bringing someone, and it's better for you guys to have him than me. And we see a complete transformation in the disciples and the first church because of what the Holy Spirit was doing in them. Before they relied on Jesus. But now, when the gift of the Holy Spirit is poured out, the Holy Spirit is now living in us. Helping us to live a holy life. Helping us to please God. Giving us all the power we need. And so we can do more with the Holy Spirit now. And that is a wonderful gift. And that is why we see a different Peter. That is why we see a complete transformation of all the disciples. And that is why when we read stories of the early church... We're amazed by some of these things that they did because the Holy Spirit meant everything to them, just as it should for us today. You know, in my own life, when I'm slacking as a Christian, I often ask, why? The Holy Spirit is there. But why? And as a general contractor, I love battery tools. And they're wonderful. 
But anytime I forget to charge my tool and I put a weak battery inside, it doesn't do much. But whenever I charge the battery and the battery is at full capacity, I mean, I can do wonders with my tools. And it's almost the same way as us Christians. Like, we, we forget to charge ourselves with the Holy Spirit. Even though the electricity is there, all we have to do, all I have to do is just go plug in my battery, charge my tools. But most of the time, we rely on our own power. It's like we, we, we miss the point. And I know when I'm slacking as a Christian, it's because, really, I'm just trying to do it on my own. I'm like, I got this. Holy Spirit, just do you. And it's never a good day. No, the other day, somebody almost T-bowed into me because they weren't paying attention. And I was in the car with Isaac. And I said, come on, you idiot. And then Isaac picked that up. And Isaac started saying, come on, you idiot. And he just started singing it. And I played loud music so that he would forget. But no, he held on to that. Come on, you idiot. But what if I was filled with the Holy Spirit? Even though I was completely right, I had the right of way, and that guy was completely wrong. What if I had stopped and probably got out of the car and said, are you okay? Instead of cursing him out. We don't have any excuse. The Holy Spirit is with us. He's always going to be with us. He's there waiting for us to invite him in our hearts. We have been given the blessing of the Holy Spirit. If you have confessed that Jesus is Lord and you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit. But are you using the Holy Spirit? Peter is transformed. Peter is a matured Christian now. Because he realizes the importance of having the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, Peter wouldn't have preached the powerful sermon that he just preached. Without the Holy Spirit, he wouldn't have boldly proclaimed the truth. And so we need that today. We need the Holy Spirit so that we can live the life that Jesus wants us to live. It is better that I go so that you can have the Holy Spirit. And so pray with me this morning. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your many promises. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you've given us everything we can think of to grow as believers. And so we we pray this morning that whatever it is in our lives that makes us relax in our walk with you, that we'll just hunger for more, that we'll desire more, we'll desire you more, Lord. And that we will ask for your Holy Spirit every morning when we wake up. We will just ask for that gift. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who is working in us, convicting our hearts, even when we don't ask for him. Thank you that you always pursue us. 
Thank you, Lord, for this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we'll take communion uh, like we always do. And, you know, we, we take communion to remember the death of Jesus. You know, the night before he was going to be betrayed, he gathered with his disciples, he washed their foot, and he took bread and blessed it and said, this is my body that I will break for you. This is my body that will go on the cross to die for your sins. And so when you eat this bread, remember my body. And in the same way, he took a cup of wine, blessed it, and said, this is my blood that I will share for you. I do this because I love you guys. I will go on the cross and die and bleed because you are worth it. And so when you eat communion this morning, remember that. Remember that you were bought at a price. And if you're aware, if right now you are aware you don't think you want to have communion, that's okay. Daniel will be back there. If you need any prayers for anything, please, he will be happy to pray for you. Go there. Or if you need prayers for anything, Daniel will be happy uh, to pray for you. But also examine your heart this morning and see where you are with the Lord. Communion is for sinners. It's for all of us. We're in the same boat. But please, if you need extra prayers, if you just need to pause and talk to someone, Daniel will be happy to do that for you.